Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to this episode of the Matchball Podcast from Oslot, the Square Ball. Uh, following the Derby draw, I'm Dan Moylan, Michael Normanton's here. Hello. And so is Moscow Whites. Hello. Back to the place where all this started then, the return of the grief cast good and proper. Uh, can we unpack what happened there today, boys? My prediction was basically correct, which was 2-0. 2-0 win. Mm. Should have happened. I think my correction, my prediction was also correct. 2-20-0 win. <laughs> Only we uh, we didn't take all 20 of our chances. I mean, it could have been, in the cold light of day, it could have been quite a different finish had Click slotted that penalty home. I think we need to remember that before we start losing our collective shit. But very, very disappointing end. And perhaps it's what happened after that, though, that is the slightly alarming bit, the completely inevitable late equaliser that we all saw coming from the second that that rolled wide of the post. Yes, it was... It was weird. There was a moment that really stood out to me. I think the 88th minute when Derby won a, a free kick wide on the left and it was going to be crossed in. And the atmosphere around the stadium was just this this murmur, this kind of this tension. Um, oh, bloody hell. Yeah, everybody. And they didn't score from that. But it was just this feeling. There was no confidence anywhere. And I'm not saying it's something that necessarily transmits itself from the the stands to the players, but it's definitely something that is, um, if you take the the fans and the players as kind of a, a whole, we're all part of this, we're all in this together. I think everybody is is feeling um, that same thing in the mind, that if we get to the 88th minute and it's only 1-0 and it should have been 20, we're going to concede and it's in the back of everybody's mind. And then it happens, which and I couldn't believe. Even the, when I was thinking that, because I was thinking all the way towards the end, of like, we're, we're going to concede. I didn't really think it would happen. And it happened. And the more we do it, the more you think it. Which yeah. seems somehow to make it feel more like it's going to happen. Which I know isn't true. It can't be true, can it? <laughs> We're willing this you, upon can ourselves. You, can you think yourself into a bad result? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think you can. I think there's... Um, I know what you mean. There's certain things to do with, with confidence that um, that are very real about what we're, we're, we're doing. If you look at... Um, obviously, Bamford gets a bit of... Uh, grief for missing some of the chances but the one where he should have played in Alioski and he mm. went for goal instead is one where I think if he'd scored his earlier chance he'd be like hey I've got a goal I'll, I'll pass to Alioski it's fine but he's so desperate to score that he's not making that right decision in that moment and it becomes cumulative you've got 
Jack Harrison is not hitting the player with the cross, so he's he's thinking, oh well, I need to do a different thing this time, and not maybe not necessarily trusting his instincts, and that's kind of. I know what you mean. It's the pressure, isn't it, of of not quite getting the results that we need, and it just starts to grow and it starts to creep in, and the crowd transmits as a little bit as well. In many ways, just not getting the result we deserve as well, because we've we deserve to win every game this season. Like the to say we've taken three points from no, say that again. However many points to say we've taken we've taken two points from three home games that we've dicked the opposition in basically. I mean, it, the thing is, in today we didn't even score. It was an own goal for all the chances we had and all the possession we had. It still took an own goal for us to actually get the ball in the net. Because there's nothing actually fundamentally really wrong, is there? It's just missing something. But I what? I mean, I'm left with the word. The word lacking killer instinct is all I can think of. But I can't even define it. We were around them all the time today. Everything seems to go down the left in the first half. And ordinarily, you'd say Harrison had a bad game and should have should have connected more of his crosses. But then Costa came on and we got worse mm. as a whole. The unit as a whole didn't function as well with Costa on, which leaves you thinking, well, maybe what Harrison is doing is important in ways we're not seeing. But he was so frustrating in the first half, like. Some some players you say kind of are all pace or they're they're good in the air but are, can do nothing else. His one thing is his first touch. Really, his first touch is always absolutely perfect. But then he just kicks it straight to their player time and time again in the box, well, and that, it's very frustrating to watch. That's what I mean about the killer instinct. It's until we get in the final third because the the final ball's never quite good enough, and we seem a lot of the time, despite the number of chances we're making, they're either half chances, maybe long shots, that kind of thing. It's those tap-ins at the back post, the, the the classic Bielsa goal or the you know the give and go down the line where somebody cuts in and pulls it back. We didn't seem to get many of those today. And the ones that we did get, again, there was the one right at the start of the second half when Bamford hit the post and that, I mean, that just, just go in. It's like, it's, it's frustrating. There was a, a cross that flashed across um, goal in the first half and you just think, like, how was... How is he not quite connected with it? And this is not um, haranguing him. It's just that he is the he's the striker, and it's his and, job to score and those goals. Are the ones so. where you, and you just wish it's not um, it's not having a go at him for not scoring them. It's kind of it's just wishing that that one that hit the post had just gone in. And then what is the what is the difference between um, width and? the width of a post why is it going one side and not the other there was an interesting call I heard on uh, BBC Radio Leeds in the post match which was uh, somebody saying that they they're still willing Bamford to have a good game and willing mm-hmm. him to score and I think that's maybe part of the problem surrounding Bamford is that a lot of it is we are still willing him to have that killer game and it never quite materialises there still feels like there's something missing and I don't know what that is I Do thought we- it was I thought it was good today I mean contrast this mm-hmm. performance with his playoff semi-final performance against Abbey, which was atrocious he didn't win a single ball in that the one big John Charles header he did win in this and left Richard Keogh in a heap he got penalised for but he was he was good in this game he did some nice things won a penalty hit the post which he should probably have scored um, had another chance which he put over the bar by about 20 metres with his with his right foot but it, you know he was in the right positions and stuff yeah. whereas that, that the playoff defeat you couldn't really point to anything in his game that was any good whereas in this he, he probably really had the better of the centre-halves yeah, so you know, it's he plays well. It's just, it's um, yeah, it's frustrating. You want that goal, and I don't know what more 
um, Kunkun because the you know the crowd he's in a weird situation because the crowd is definitely on his side because you hear his uh, his name being sung after he misses a chance and after he won the penalty everyone's singing Bamford's name but then also as soon as Eddie and Kessie goes and warms up he gets his name sung as well so there's like there's that real almost schizophrenia where the stadium is saying we really want Bamford to do well and, and want to get behind him and not criticise him um, but we also really want him to just go off so that Nketiah can come on and score the goal that we think he's going to score that he didn't today. I mean, he was ineffectual when he came on today. I thought that about both of the subs, actually. Is this a fair comment that neither of the subs, either Costa nor Nketiah, got up to the pace of the game or the flow of the game? No, nothing really worked. And then Douglas coming on, Alioski moving to the way. When, once Alioski was on the wing, he didn't really do anything either. But it was by that point, we about sort of 60-minute mark, which I think is when Costa came on, mm. that was when we just lost our grip on the game. We'd been, we were, you can't stress how much better we were than them. Like we were taking the piss. Yeah. We, they were, and they were trying to, what he, I think the way Koku's got them trying to play is a bit like us, but they're really bad at doing it. Like they cannot play out from the back. Within the first 15 minutes, we probably caught them three times trying to play out the back. Richard Keogh is a shit footballer. <laughs> I will say, because I, I, I will put hands up and obviously me predicting the click or score of the penalties is not great, but I did predict Derby would play this way because I watched, I slept through half of the um, their game against Cardiff and, and saw this, that they just pass around until they make a, a mistake and lose it. And that's really all they came. And before the match, I was checking their last few games and basically every game they play, they're two centre-halves is their strongest passing combination. They play like 30 passes to each other and then they just aren't, they like complete five to any other player. Um, but they've got no clue. I've not seen a team that bad. Um, it was good. It was getting close to Yapstam's Reading levels when Elland Road actually laughed at how bad Reading were. And we had the Olays at 35 minutes and um, and even all through the second half, it, it, it was really bizarre. And I would, be, I would be really worried if I was a Derby fan at how easy it is to get the ball off them. Like, it seemed like either they would give it to us or if we wanted it, any one of our players would go up and just like tackle them and we've got the ball. And it, it should be harder than that in the Championship. Um, but they're absolute garbage. I think they are in deep, deep trouble. Yeah. If they're starting every game like that. And they essentially got lucky and rode, they rode the flow of the game to their advantage today. Had Click's goal gone in, the penalty then we wouldn't be sat here worrying yeah. we'd have gone, oh, well, maybe a slightly sticky start to the second half, but then we got the penalty and put it to bed. And to go to the, the substitutions thing, I think there's a there's a sense where we've maybe got things the wrong way around and we can solve this without criticising Bamford or bigging up Enketia too much. I think if we start with Enketia, some of those chances that Bamford had go in the net. And then I think if we end with Bamford, the ball stays up the other end because we're kind of doing it the wrong way around because he's very good. The the penalty that he, he won, um, I think it's quite a bad... He was given a good chance to go through on goal. I think he took a bad touch and then he, he worked really hard to make it into an opportunity. Got into the uh, into the penalty area and then Richard Keogh happened. Um, and that's what you need at that end of the, the game is somebody keeping the ball, trying to keep winning it. And that's not really what Nketiah could or would do, but what Nketiah can do and look what we've seen is that if there's a ball flashing across the six-yard box like the one that hit, uh, Bamford hit the first post after um, straight after half-time, or the one, I think it was at Dallas Crossing, just didn't get on it in, early in the first half, I think those go in the net. So Nketiah can start the games, get us 3-0 up instead of 1-0, 
and then Bamford can, can come on and we'd probably then score four or five. He might add another couple when uh, against yeah. a tired defence. We just we've got this idea that Bamford is maybe tiring them out first as he did in the uh, in the last game, and then we bring Enkia on to finish it. But I think it might be better the other way around and get the yeah. best out of both of them. I think you may, may be onto something there because Enkia would tire out the likes of Richard Keogh, who then doesn't have the the physical strength left to deal Probably with. They've won about ten penalties, never mind one. Yeah, with Bamford, and actually as the game starts to slow down a little bit, people lose energy in the second half. Then Bamford, yeah, yeah. Bamford holds it up. Maybe so. Yeah, that was right. another thing that was very characteristic of today's game. We seemed to lack energy. It was a very warm day. If you weren't there today, it was a very warm day um, today in Leeds and we seem to really be zapped of energy in that sort of last quarter. I think part of it is just that we should be more goals up by that point and therefore you, and then at that stage you're okay to play out because we deservedly would have been three up probably by that point. Yeah. In which case a little bit of legginess at that stage it isn't really going to cost you anything it's our failure to get ourselves in the position we should be at that point and as well if you're 3-0 up Derby are not trying then They'll, they'd be just like if, if Klitsch's penalty yeah. had gone in they would have just put their feet up they, there's no way they were coming back from it it gave them the, the feeling that they could come back as well I think the penalty was psychologically important um, for Derby as well as for us it just gave them the idea that oh maybe maybe this is our day um, we've been shit for 70 minutes but we can we can attack now we might get something about, out of this and you could tell by the way they celebrated the goal and then celebrated at the end that they, they'd kind of they'd got that blood in their nostrils and thought uh, well the few players that remained from that match but there was definitely the sense of oh we can do the, the playoff match again here um, and we probably had the same thing where it was it started creeping into our minds is that the thing that's perhaps most worrying about this? Because these games happen and they've happened a little bit too frequently for my liking at the start of the season at home. It's that mental weakness has crept back in again. Is that perhaps the worrying thing? Yeah, we just need to, we just need to stop doing this. I know this is, it's, it's stating the obvious, but we need to, if we don't do this for a couple of games, yeah. then it'll stop happening. The only it's, solution it's more, yeah, is like five 2 nil wins at yeah. home. That would be fine. That would do it. Or two five nils. That'd do it as well. <laughs> either, yeah, either way is fine. We keep, we keep getting drawn into tight games when they on the balance of play. They are not tight games. Yeah. Are we seeing maybe now what's wrong with Marcelo Bielsa? There's nothing wrong with him. <laughs> but do you think there is? Because he's stuck with this team come hell or high water. When maybe a more proactive manager might have put in Enketia and Costa and actually allowed themselves to play themselves back on the bench. Because if they don't turn it on today, then there's an argument then for putting them back on the bench or, or whatever. But it, it just feels like he sticks with it too much. No, I don't know what you mean. I, I thought Costa would actually start today. Yeah. Because um, Harrison was taken off, was taken off at half time, wasn't he, in the last game? And I thought that would probably be the end of him. Um, not, not, not in, the, not in any dramatic, not in a Jack Clark sense. He's not, he's not that finished. But um, yeah, I thought Costa, that would be Costa's chance to get in. I thought he'd stick with Bamford because overall, I think that's been working for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought we missed Forshaw today as well. Actually, one nil with you know a bit of pressure building with twenty minutes left. I thought someone like Forshaw would have probably helped us more than Shackleton, mm-hmm. just because of the way he's a, he's a more forward thinking player than, than for sure whereas his little spinnies, spinny circles and passing it sideways actually does kill a bit of time yeah do you think we've maybe seen what we missed from for sure a little bit now the metronome in midfield and you can see why Bielsa likes him yeah both I mean the the Barnsley game was we were saying they had more um, they got more out of us than um, any team so far this season and uh, I think yeah for sure's lack in there or maybe it's a case of Putting somebody else at ten and moving click back if uh, if Forshaw's not playing, Shackleton will be brilliant. 
Um, but maybe he's all, maybe he's the player that needed to come off and uh, and we put somebody a bit more solid in the middle. But who is more Robbie Gotts? Is he going to come on, shore things up? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Right, so let's talk about Mateus Click then and that penalty. What's going on there? Are we are we annoyed at him for trying the same stunt again? Because that's about what two feet away from being another glorious result. If you uh, if you do have a copy of the new issue of the Square Ball that came out today with a, a drawing of a triumphant Matthias Click on the cover, please don't bin it. It wasn't that bad. It was close. It was it was near. Um, maybe it was our fault. It was annoying that having sent the keeper the wrong way, he just trundled it past the post because he'd very much dived to the left and. He'd already gone when he hit it. He just if he'd have been watching, he could have. He didn't need to put it so near the post. Mm. He, could have just, he could have passed it a foot to the a foot to the off centre, and it'd have gone in. You just showed me the replay. I hadn't seen it until now, but because I was watching it side on, the way he reacted, he sort of reacted because he stroked in, and he was like, "Oh, another penalty scored." And then his reaction when it it went wide made me realise it must have been really, really close, and it was really, really close. But it's just, I, I said to him. <laughs> After it happened, I said to it was Phil Hay sitting next to me. I said I just I preferred it when we didn't get penalties. Bring those days back. It's just it's not worth the hassle because <laughs> all that's going to happen is you think, oh right, the last game Click takes it and right, great, another one Click will do it, and he can't. We can't. So even if the next one, if Kiko Casilla comes up and he scores it, when we get a penalty in the next game, you just think, oh, no, he's not. He's not. We can't. He's not going to score two in a row. It's like it's just the maybe it's part of the whole thing that's building with it gets the last five minutes you think one nil we're going to concede but now we get a penalty no nope, not going to go in we so. um we saw a couple of little bit of moments from Kiko today didn't we just those little wobbles again and we did say on the other podcast that we are going to see him across the season because he's a keeper and keepers are mental and he's a mental keeper however isn't it just funny how it's Derby there was one bit where he, he was blocked off by someone it was a, it was in front of the south stand so I didn't have a good, very good view from the cop but it was a very deep ball into the box and he decided to come for it and he got 
almost to the edge of his box, it seemed, and then was blocked and it, it dropped about two metres away from him still and he was mm. completely stranded out of one side and you He'd, thought, oh, please give us a free kick here, but the ref didn't and I, I have absolutely no idea who it was that he bumped into. He was giving eyes to the ref afterwards or the liner saying, you should have been giving me a free kick there, but it would have been very mm. soft. The thing is, he'd already smelt blood, hasn't he, earlier on, I think. Was it before that it came out for that catch that took him to the very edge of the area and he kind of did a little, um, like almost like a cartoon, right at the very end, you know, to stop himself falling off the cliff. Kind of thing. My favourite bit was uh, towards the end of the first half. There's no, bear in mind, there's, when this is happening, there's no Derby player within about 50 yards while this is happening. But the ball is going back and bouncing outside our penalty area and Liam Cooper is running back with it. And he kind of points at Kiko and Kiko points at him and neither of them's going to it and they're both leaning to us like, it's happening again. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there's with nobody near so nothing could possibly have happened but he's just like, no. Somebody did tweet as a picture of, I think it was in the first half of that, of the two of them with the ball between them. and it was, there was a moment where you had that flashback and you thought, I've, I've lived this moment before. You know that meme of the two uh, Spider-Men yeah. just pointing at each other but if you put a ball in, in between them that's exactly what <laughs> it's like when those two come. I don't know, maybe Derby just now have this thing over us, but that does mean at least that we'll win at Pride Park, whoever owns it, I, um, every I, single time. I don't think they've got anything over us. I thought they were terrible today. I thought they're, they're, they're a bad side, and and again, they just got the bounce, didn't they, towards the end, and as we said in the first half, capitalised on the, the switch in momentum. I'm yet to see their goal back. Have, uh, have you seen it on the TV, Dan? What saw, happened? Um, they just got a man over. It was, funnily enough, an overload on the left-hand side. And Bills has spoken in the post-match about the reason why he did the change with taking um, Pablo off and bringing uh, Douglas on was to shore up their right-hand side, our left, because they were getting too much joy down there. And that's why he did what he did to, to make it a bit more solid on the left. And lo and behold, the goal came on from an overload on the on the on the other side didn't it and it just they just got a man over who just, just laid it off to the outside I would say of all the subs that came on today Douglas was probably the worst I, mm. I wasn't impressed um, and the, like the first thing he did was sort of jump underneath the ball that made you think um, but else's theory that he, he talked about last year about not wanting to bring on a substitute because they won't be up to the pace of the game um, I think we saw that three times today. Douglas was one in particular who just never looked like he was... And Ketya did okay. He started dropping deep and linking up the play and stuff. And Costa was doing all right. He just couldn't get a run on a player. But when it's Douglas and it's like that crucial situation, um, I didn't... I mean, I'm not Bielsa, but I didn't think Alioski was particularly in much trouble at left back. Um, and, you know, we he'll, he'll do his best. He'll run, but that's... Douglas, you always kind of feel he is maybe going to get caught out. I think Pablo needed to come off as well. He was ten minutes before we took him off. I was kind of saying, "Look at him; he's absolutely knackered." Mm. He was, but then I think when he goes off, he's the player that probably everyone else looks to, as in like, "Where's Pablo? I know I can give him the ball." And when he's not there, I think potentially that does damage the flow of our game. Maybe we just get because I mean he's not getting any younger. We need to, we need maybe need to get more used to passing to someone other than Pablo. Mm. But absolutely everything hinges around him, doesn't it? So I don't know if that affected the the sort of possession we were having as well at that point because people were just panicking and, you know, we've got Nketiah who we don't really know his game that well other than he can come on and score. There didn't seem any reason for us to start dropping as deep as we did. We played most of the first hour. The game was in front of the centre circle in Derby's half. It was it was madness. Um, we can't, I mean, the Derby fans, they've already picked up on a, a tweet I sent in the first half that said it was ironically like watching a training session. That's now starting going around Derby Twitter, so I look forward to just ignoring all that while they think they're making a point. But they are, they are awful. Like, that that team is, is garbage. Um, so there was really no reason, whoever, whichever of our 
players are on the pitch, for us to be dropping so deep towards the end of the match and letting them have the ball and come at us and get some confidence and get some attacks going. Because if it was just um, Keogh passing to Clark for 20 minutes until they give us the ball, that would have been absolutely fine. I think what we saw in that second half was they just started to push their players further forward. They just got more men. You should have pushed them back. <laughs> well, yeah, but if they're, push putting, them over. if they're putting two men wide and attacking, it's, it's going to force our... Just push them off the pitch. ...entire play backwards, isn't it? Just shove them. Don't tell me Alioski can't just run up to them each one by one and just push them off the pitch. I think on something like that, though, because Nketiah, when he's on the pitch, he can always afford to just stand a little bit further towards the, the goal than Richie Keogh because he knows if we break he can then put himself back on side mm. and then still outpace him by a long way maybe we needed to be a, a bit more attacking in that sense rather than, rather than allowing them to just have the have the ball and we weren't we weren't pressing in the same way either because like in the first half when we were pressing them coming out of defence they were shit and they were losing the ball and they were kicking it out of play the keeper was, was crap he kicked it out of play a few times Every, they all looked entirely uncomfortable with it. They had Tom Huddleston there playing a sort of fat Calvin Phillips role, <laughs> trying sort of trying. He was the one they looked to though to, to pick the ball out of the defence. But he's so slow. Like if you press him, he, he's got such a turning circle on him, it's like an oil tanker. Yeah, him, a- him and Keo are just are just very big men who need need to be put under pressure. But we didn't really do it. I'll tell you one change. I mean, we can't, we obviously concentrate very much on leads, but Chris Martin coming on for Jack Marriott. I think may have made a, a difference because, and he scored the goal, didn't he, as well, yeah, Martin, yeah. in the end? Because Marriott, I noticed within about 15 minutes of the game starting, he was standing in our half. Just moaning. Just, yeah, yelling at the goalkeeper for not giving him the ball right. And then, um, and then we, we was kind of being asked to, to press our uh, defenders. And remember, him, he kind of ran towards Ben White, who just passed it around him. And then there's nobody anywhere near him, and he just gave up. And he was doing that all the time, just running around moaning. So I think once they uh, got up to 11 players on the pitch with Chris Martin replacing him, they suddenly they had somebody he, up he front worked, who was going to work yeah. and just not moan. And that kind of, um, and that gave them something to actually have up front. And funnily enough, it is, it's the workhorses that we struggle against a little bit more when mm. the, the games start to get away from us. Do we have anything to worry about? I mean, yeah, it's only, it's just how many points we're going to win the league by, really, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, they had one shot on target. Yeah. Bielsa, I, keep... we had, I don't even know many we had. We had lots. This is from uh, Graham Smith's report of the Bielsa's press conference says, uh, but the real situation is they created just one chance in 90 minutes and we created many. If this is not enough to win, throws hands in the air. <laughs> and it's kind of, that's, you look at the, the performance up until the last 10 minutes and say, how, if that's not enough to get us 3-0 up and, and winning... Then what more? What do you actually change? Do you want to dismantle this team that creates five chances in a, in a in a half? Or, and as you said to me in the on the way here, that we we um, sack Bielsa, um, get Eddie Gray, and put the kids in. <laughs> We're getting to, to that level because there's not really much other options um, when we've got a team that is so good. Are we still top of the league? I suppose the other games are still playing, aren't they? Um, as it stands, I'll say yes. Yeah, so it's it's difficult, <sighs> but. We need to, I don't know. We are as it stands at the minute. Yes, we are. We need to start doing something at Elland Road to start winning at home. That's where it, it needs to, and to, to remove this um, this uh, this atmosphere of tension that, that builds towards the end of the game. And the only thing, it's totally reductive and chicken and egg, because the only thing that would solve it is a 
some 2-0, 3-0 wins at home until we get that consistently and Elland Road feels like the cliche fortress again. We're just always going to have this this feeling. Yeah, and I think part of that, it's fueled by this idea, this this collective kind of tension, this idea that, all right, Enketia and Costa need to start. Until you do that, there's going to be a clamour for that. Mm. And then when it doesn't work... Then, but but it then will if, be fine. but if it doesn't, yeah. But then it's re- it's released that pressure. And we can yeah. say actually, all right, Bamford was fine, um, as was Jack Harrison. I think the only thing that solves it. I mean, you you were the perfect example in the first game of the season, Bristol, when we were watching it at the the Brunel, and we were what were we three one up, and they had a free kick, and you left the room because you couldn't bear to watch um, a free kick when we had a two goal lead, and that was kind of um, you could feel that in a way today that um, I've not felt it anywhere else apart from probably the start of this season because there was tension in the Forest game. The Swansea match ended up with a huge disappointment and then this this moment in the last minutes when uh, Derby had that free kick, it's audible. You can hear everybody in the stands. You can't hear words. We can hear they're all turning to each other and going, oh, we're going to concede here. And that it just creates this noise and it just feels weird. And I don't know if that's something that the the players here and like feel as well but I was it transmits itself it does I was sitting on the gantry and me and Phil Hay are both looking at each other and I said to him I've not heard a football stadium sound like this when the the home team is winning and that's what's weird about it and it's not you know this becomes there's that risk of people thinking that you're blaming the fans or something. And it's not, it's like, I'm, I'm the same. It's I'm, human nature. Me and yeah. him are standing there going like, oh no, we're going to, we're probably going to concede from this. But then you suddenly realise that there's just 30,000 people all saying the same thing to each other. And it just sounds weird. And the only thing that, as I keep saying, the only thing that cures it is we start winning by a couple of goals. Preferably 20. And once we've slept on it, we may well be top. Let's uh, have a rifle through some heroes and villains then from today's game. Um, any candidates that we've got? For heroes? Either or, just chuck, chuck some names in the mix. Jermaine Beckford. I shook hands with him, he looks lovely in a suit. He had uh, white converse on with his blue suit, didn't he? He looked great. It's, I was saying to him, as I was coming off the, the gantry, he was talking to, to Phil Hay, and he just looked at me and shook my hand while he was talking to me. He doesn't have a fucking clue who I am. Um, but that was nice. That was probably, like, that was a great moment. Yeah, well, I'd, I said on one of the previous podcasts, I used to see him all the time around Sainsbury's, because he lived near me. In Bradford. Yeah. Uh, nice guy. Yeah, he, yeah, and he looks, he, he knows how to wear a suit. I don't shop at Sainsbury's anymore. They've opened an Aldi since. It's cheaper. Uh, any other heroes and villains? Ben White. Just really like him. Like him, him and Cooper I thought were very good today. And, and seeing, I think that it was the difference of seeing how we play out from the back versus how they play out from the back. He's really good. He's Ben White. The effortless way he just turns away from their players as well. Like it's just, it's like a one man piss take. It's beautiful. Yeah. There's, you're still expecting a moment almost where you go fucking hell Ben but actually there have been none so far this season and he's doing really really well isn't he and you know if he has one now he's got enough credit in the mm. bank to, for you to go okay well normally he's fine he's yeah. probably I mean I wonder if we'll be saying at the, the end of the season he's like the best defender we've had since Woodgate or Ferdinand or something ridiculous but he's, I, he's I was just, thinking I was actually thinking of Rio Ferdinand today the way he was sort of effortlessly spinning away from people because as, as much as he, he left and we, we don't like to say nice things about him, he was a fucking amazing player with yeah. Rio Ferdinand. Um, the same sort of age as well, because we saw we saw the young Ferdinand, I think we're seeing the, the young White. Um, shame he's not ours. Yes, he will be when we go up this season, because we'll be top and we'll get promoted. Um, uh, villain, I'd like to nominate the person in the cop who was having a go at Phillips at the end. Mm. I don't really know what happened, but um, Phillips just came around as they do, kind of applauding. And... Um, 
he took exception to someone in the cop who had obviously been been they were right at the front mouthing off at him yeah. and he went over he just went over to him and I think more or less just told him to fuck off yes. I <laughs> to which everyone else then around applauded and I think the guy who'd, who'd said it probably felt about a foot tall good as the saying goes you like to see it yeah as Phillips walked away he then was like he, he walked into the penalty area still upon the left but he kept t- turning back and like staring daggers at this guy um, I would nominate uh, Richard Keogh what even is he? I don't know what is Richard Keogh. He's not he's a just, human. He just haunts the championship, doesn't he? He's not he? a fucking human man, is it? He's got a horrible spectre. He's starting on uh, um, giving away that stupid penalty and then trying to start a fight with Bamford about it. There was a the bit where he um, he went down injured, pretending he had a head injury, and then when it, the, it delayed the game and then was like, oh, he's all right again. And then he was starting on Alioski at full time as well. And he's shit. And it, but he's he just... And he's not human. I think they should... I mean... I'm all in favour of... Can we have him abolished? <laughs> Destroyed? Yes. You know what they say when a, when a dog has bitten someone? This is the move. Yeah, well, the movement to just abolish Richard Keogh. Yeah. And also because in my notes all the way through, I, I was writing down initials, I kept writing down AK. So I keep thinking he's Andrew Keogh. I would much rather Andrew Keogh um, was in the world than Richard Keogh. If we only had to choose one of the Keogh brothers, <laughs> he is the one I would take. He, and- uh, he does look like a rabid dog, ironically enough. He does. That kind of foaming at the mouth, flecked, spit everywhere. You know. So it was nice to bring back the um, the old Martin Keown chant. If yes. younger um, younger listeners might not remember, we used to sing the "Is an ugly." Um, we don't at, have the bleep at, machine handy, do we? So yeah. to, uh, yes. that used to be a Martin Keown song, but it fits nicely and mm. is accurate. I'm sure it will have come through uh, loud and proud on Sky as well, which they'll have been delighted about as well. That gave me some extra pleasure listening to that. So as we head off into the rest of the sunny Saturday, what, what's the uh, overarching abiding feeling there? Or any final points? Um, that there's one more villain that we need oh, to okay. nominate, Michael, obviously, because in the towards the end of the first half, we were so comfortable and winning and everything was so great and Derby was so bad. I was thinking to myself, I nearly sent a message saying, surely even Michael won't be betting against Leeds under these circumstances because we were so obviously going to win that game at half-time. But no, at half-time, I since discovered not only did he bet um, against Leeds, but what did you bet on at half-time? The draw. The draw. So people would say like, oh, should Click be a villain for missing the penalty? Should Bielsa, because he's not changing the team, is it... uh, um, Barry Douglas isn't good enough left back. Is it the negativity? Is it what's happening? It's this little bastard <laughs> and his, his curse making predictions. Some little troll in the back of the cop is going to that half time's going, I know what the result's going to be. I've decided it's going to be a draw. And especially how sanctimonious we've been about uh, betting companies well, exactly, this week. Exactly. You're, you're your betting habits are now making content. Your, your your hollow tweets dangling it out there for likes saying, oh, betting is bad. How much did you win today? £37. <laughs> right, that's it. That's it then for this episode. Someone, the, someone the said ball. I need flailing. <laughs> and they'd be right. That is it for this episode of The Match Ball. We'll speak to you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.